You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, January 2nd. Happy New Year, everybody, and I'm here for the next 20 minutes or so to recap the Buckeyes' thrilling, frustrating, infuriating, confounding, yet totally entertaining 48-45 comeback win over number 11 Utah in the Rose Bowl last night. Sophomore receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba and redshirt freshman quarterback C.J. Stroud lit the record books on fire. Smith and Jigba finished with a Rose Bowl record 15 receptions and 347 yards receiving yesterday. Now, those 347 receiving yards were the fifth most ever in an FBS football game, regular or postseason. Any notion that Smith and Jigba's production this season was the byproduct of playing alongside Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson was also smashed to bits by his performance against Utah last night. Smith and Jigba certainly stands on his own merits. And when his career is all said and done, we might all be scoffing at the idea that Olave and Wilson were once considered better receivers than him. C.J. Stroud's 573 yards passing is a new Rose Bowl record. It's the third most all-time in any bowl game. His six touchdown passes yesterday Also a new Rose Bowl record. So an amazing performance by C.J. Stroud. I would think Stroud sets himself up uh, for another run at the Heisman next season. Jackson Smith and Jigba has to be your betting favorite for the Bolitnikoff Award in 2022. He may even be a Heisman contender himself, Smith and Jigba. Now, the Buckeyes also got a huge contribution from freshman receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., who got his first real opportunity to show Ohio State fans what he can do. And man, he delivered with 71 yards receiving on six catches, but with three touchdown receptions, three huge touchdown receptions, actually. Freshman receiver Emeka Buka also flashed with some timely plays, both as a receiver and in the return game that were pretty huge for the Buckeyes. I mean, after consecutive three and outs to start the game, Ekbuka made a 30-yard grab as he tight-roped the sideline late in the first quarter on Ohio State's third possession, and that really sparked the Buckeyes' first touchdown drive of the game and got the offense on track. And, and really, there was no looking back for the Buckeye offense after that. In fact, they would never punt again uh, the rest of the game. Ekbuka, again, as I said, had some big moments on special teams that were absolutely huge for Ohio State. Now, after Utah tied the game at 42 with 228 to play, Ekbuka delivered a huge 33-yard return of the ensuing kickoff, giving the Ohio State offense the ball at their own 42-yard line. That would set up the game-winning drive that led to Noah Ruggles' 19-yard field goal with nine seconds left. Ekbuka also had a 39-yard kick return in the second quarter after Utah took a 21-7 lead that sparked Ohio State's second touchdown drive of the game, and that allowed the Buckeyes to stay within striking distance. Look, I don't know how you keep Emeka Ekbuka off the field in 2022. Aside from Marvin Harrison Jr., he is the one player on that offense who is screaming for more touches. I mean, was there an Ohio State player who delivered more with less than Egbuka this season? He had been relegated to basically returning kickoffs all season. That was his primary 
contribution, yet he had all Ohio State fans wanting more. Ibuka, to me, has got to be a core piece to that Ohio State offense in 2022. So there are a few other areas I want to touch on, both things I liked and didn't like. Let's start with the Ohio State defense. And look, I want to be fair here. That unit was without all Big Ten defensive tackle, Haskell Garrett, who was an NFL opt-out. Several key rotational players like Antoine Jackson, who was supposed to be the next man up at the three technique, was also out because of an injury. Defensive end Javante Jean-Baptiste, linebacker Cody Simon, were also injured and unavailable. Then pretty early in the game, they lose defensive end Jack Sawyer to a targeting ejection and defensive back Lathan Ransom, who unfortunately suffered what I believe was a leg fracture. It looked very similar to what happened to Josh Proctor against Oregon. A, a real shame for, for Ransom and prayers up. Hopefully this uh, this doesn't uh, you know keep him out for too much of the 2022 season. But man, that injury did not look good. Suffice to say, though, the defense was pretty shorthanded. So again, I want to be fair when we look at how they performed yesterday. Now, look, I also want to give some credit where it's due with the defense. After a dreadful first half, you know, they delivered back-to-back stops in the fourth quarter that allowed the Buckeyes to tie and eventually take the lead in this game. I mean, they got a great play from Ronnie Hickman on Utah star tight end Brant Keithy to stop the Utes on downs at the Ohio State 29-yard line early in the fourth quarter that gave the offense the ball back only down seven and they would eventually tie the game on the ensuing possession the defense would then rise up again to force a three and out on utah's next possession and and, uh, they also knocked out quarterback cameron rising on a sack by court williams the high state offense would take the ball back and march 85 yards after that to take its first lead of the game 45-38 with 4.22 to play. So you got to give some credit to Ohio State for getting those key stops in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. But on the whole, the defense was an abomination yesterday, allowing 6.8 yards per play to, let's face it, a very one-dimensional Utah offense. After forcing a Utah punt on the opening possession, listen to this, Here's what the Utah offense did with its four other possessions before the half. Five plays, 56 yards, touchdown. Eight plays, 67 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 79 yards, touchdown. Four plays, 71 yards, touchdown. After that first punt, the only other time the Utah offense was held out of the end zone was by its own special teams, which scored on a 97-yard kick return in the middle of the second quarter. I didn't think the Ohio State defense could sink any lower than what we saw against Michigan, but I can say with 100% confidence that Cameron Rising's 62-yard touchdown run on fourth and one just before the half was the lowest moment of the season for the Ohio State defense. The tackling and lack of effort on that play was reminiscent of the catch and run Rondale Moore had at the end of the 2018 blowout loss to Purdue when Isaiah Pryor kind of spun Moore around, helping him gather even more momentum than he already had, and then he flung him toward the end zone for a touchdown. That performance by the Ohio State defense, I'm talking about in the Rose Bowl yesterday, in the first half, was an utter disgrace to the Silver Bullets. I mean, I was embarrassed to be an Ohio State fan at that point of the game. Now, even after the two fourth quarter stops, 
that allowed the Buckeyes to eventually take the lead. The defense then allows the Utah offense to march straight down the field in six plays to score the game-tying touchdown with a backup quarterback who'd never thrown a pass in a college game. Look, I, you know, I have already said it. Utah, one-dimensional, run-oriented offense that posed, you know, zero threat on the outside. I mean, they weren't even going to try to challenge Ohio State vertically throwing the ball with just a competent defense. I'm talking like a C-grade defense. Ohio State wins that game by three or four touchdowns yesterday. So giving a little bit of credit where it's due, allowing for injuries and absences and that sort of thing. The defense was still dreadful yesterday. And, uh, you know, it was it was reported after the game, Matt Barnes is off to Memphis to be their defensive coordinator. Hey, man, good riddance good, and good luck. Uh, can you take out Washington with you is my question for Barnes. I'm just very happy that the Jim Knowles era is here. And I'm very much looking forward to the return of this silver bullet defense in 2022. Okay, let's shift back to something that I really liked. Now, I'm looking at the PFF grades for the Utah defense right now. Only one Utah defensive player graded lower than their star linebacker, Devin Lloyd, who was a Butkus finalist and the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Lloyd's final PFF grade of 46.8 was by far his lowest of the season. Lloyd finished with only four tackles and one quarterback pressure. Mika Tafua, Utah's top edge rusher, who led the Pac-12 in sacks and had more QB pressures this season than Aiden Hutchinson, also received his worst PFF grade of the season at 52.8. Tafua only had two quarterback pressures and only one tackle yesterday. Look, kudos to the Ohio State offensive line for taking those two completely out of the game. The offensive line finished with its second highest grade of the season for pass blocking of 84.7. And that's that's an accomplishment because going into last night, the Utah defense was fourth nationally in quarterback sacks, eighth in tackles for loss. They finished with zero sacks and only one tackle for loss. What a performance by the Ohio State offensive line without its first team all Big Ten left tackle, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, who, as we all know, was another one of Ohio State's NFL opt-outs. Thayer Mumford, who replaced NPF at left tackle and right tackle Dewan Jones, only allowed one pressure on C.J. Stroud yesterday. And according to PFF, C.J. Stroud was only pressured on 14.6% of his dropbacks yesterday, compared to 40% of his dropbacks against Michigan. Wow. And Mumford and Jones, who got worked by Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, bounced back very nicely from that game. I give them and the entire offensive line a ton of credit for the way they protected C.J. Stroud yesterday. Absolutely loved what I saw from the Ohio State offensive line. I mean, that is what we expected this season from that group. You know, with what Ohio State was getting from the passing game from Stroud and Smith and Jigba, which was, you know, pretty much anything it wanted, I suppose the Buckeyes didn't really need much from Travion Henderson running the ball. Henderson finished with 83 yards on 17 carries, pretty respectable. I thought Henderson needed to be a much bigger factor than that in this game. I was wrong, obviously, because Ohio State did whatever he wanted, throwing the football, put up 45 points, you know, well over 600 yards of total offense. But I thought Henderson needed to be a big factor in this game. He really wasn't much of a factor until the fourth quarter. And then he gave Ohio State some pretty big contributions, 
47 yards on seven carries. On the game-winning drive, Henderson delivered runs of six, 12, and nine yards. He also caught a pass for another nine yards. Henderson would probably tell you he would have liked to, to have a stronger finish to his first season at Ohio State. We talked about it quite a bit on this pod. Injuries limited Henderson during the second half of the season. His last 100-yard rushing performance was against Penn State way back on Halloween weekend. But look, I'm not worried in the least about Henderson. He is going to be a very big part of Ryan Day's plans in 2022. He's a very important core player to this program. I think I've said this on other pods. I think what Henderson probably needs to do is you put on a little weight, you know, 10, 15 pounds. I think he needs to make himself a little bit more durable, a little stronger for the rigors of Big Ten play in 2022. And I trust he's going to do that. I've been thinking about where second year receiver Julian Fleming fits into Ohio State's plans moving forward. Many Ohio State fans would tell you, or would certainly assume that Fleming is a name that would you know, he's a very big consideration for the, the immediate future of this program. He was the country's number one receiver in the 2020 class, as we all know. And we also know that injuries have had an impact on his career so far. But Fleming has been given some pretty big opportunities dating back to the Big Ten title game last season when he started in place of Chris Olave. And also this year against Nebraska, starting in place of Garrett Wilson. He obviously got the start yesterday with Olave and Wilson both opting out of the Rose Bowl. And uh, I'll be honest, in those three pretty big moments, I've been underwhelmed by Julian Fleming. I I don't know how you could have any other reaction than that. I mean, five catches for 35 yards yesterday. He had a holding penalty on special teams that nullified a nice kick return by Emeka Buka. You know, filling in for Wilson against Nebraska earlier this season, he only had two receptions for 22 yards. Filling in for an injured Emeka Buka as Ohio State's kick returner against Michigan this season, Fleming made a huge mental mistake on the kickoff following Michigan's first touchdown, allowing the ball to hit the ground after signaling for a fair catch. And the Buckeyes had to start their first possession of the game from their own four-yard line. In last year's Big Ten title game, again, starting in place of Chris Olave, Fleming had four catches for 53 yards. Eh, you know, that, that, by the way, was his best receiving game of his career. In two seasons at Ohio State, Fleming has 19 catches for 160 yards and one touchdown. I don't know, Buckeye fans. I mean, I, I think Fleming is going to have to, he's going to have a really hard time holding off Emeka Ibuka next season. And he'll have a second year receiver in Jaden Ballard and an incoming freshman in Caleb Burton nipping at his heels too. So I'm on alert for Julian Fleming to the transfer portal this offseason, perhaps after the spring game. Yeah, I feel like his opportunities are drying up very quickly. It's going to be hard for him to get snaps in 2022, I would assume. I said on the Rose Bowl preview pod with Chad earlier this week that with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Haskell Garrett and NPF all opting out that the talented core of first and second year players at Ohio State were no longer complementary pieces and that there was a huge opportunity to lead Ohio State to their first big win as a group and set the tone for a playoff run in 2022. Hey, I think that's exactly what happened yesterday. And I'm very excited for what's to come in 2022. 
The Buckeyes are going to have the best collection of offensive skill talent in the country once again with C.J. Stroud, Trevion Henderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Ibuka. I mean, look, I defy anyone to find me a better collection of offensive skilled talent anywhere else in the country next season. And I know I just ripped the defense a new one, but I think those players did something in the second half against Utah they can build on in 2022 under much, much better leadership with new defensive coordinator Jim Knowles and hopefully one or two other new faces on that defensive coaching staff. We'll see what Ryan Day is willing to do in the coming weeks. I mentioned this after the Michigan game, and I think it bears repeating. Of the 11 defensive players who led Ohio State in snaps this season, seven of them are underclassmen. So we're talking about players like Ronnie Hickman, Denzel Burke, Bryson Shaw, Cody Simon, Tommy Eichenberg, who was the Rose Bowl defensive MVP. I think he had 17 tackles yesterday, and Steel Chambers. I think it's very reasonable to expect huge improvements from the likes of JT Tuimaloau and Jack Sawyer next season. I expect a talented uh, second-year cornerback in Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock, both to be factors next season. And there'll be a fresh infusion of five-star talent with incoming freshman linebacker C.J. Hicks and safety Sonny Styles. By the way, I would also love to see Ohio State go after Northwestern star safety Brandon Joseph. He just entered the transfer portal this week. I would think he is there for the taking if Ryan Day wants him. So I really hope Ohio State makes a play for Brandon Joseph. He would be an instant starter on this defense in 2022 and a big difference maker for him for, for that defense. I think Ohio State's going to play more with two safeties next year. You put Brandon Joseph and Josh Proctor together in that secondary. Hey, I, you're talking about a really nice duo of safeties on the 2022 defense. So I really hope Ohio State makes a play for Joseph. And look, man, if Jim Knowles can build the defense with three-star talent at Oklahoma State that finished in the top five in pretty much every defensive category that matters, What's he going to do with four and five star talent that he'll inherit in Columbus right now, this year in 2022? I mean, that should have every Ohio State fan very excited, very optimistic about the 2022 season. The immediate future here, Buckeye fans, is very, very bright. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I plan to wrangle Paige and Chad at some point this week for another pod to get their thoughts on the Rose Bowl and the 2022 season. Until then, thanks so much for listening and Happy New Year, everyone. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.